Hello and welcome to This Book Could Change Your Life. Thank you so much for tuning in to This Book Could Change Your Life, a new podcast about books for those who love them. I'll be your host, James Clark. So without further ado, let's just dive straight in. Riley Sager, welcome to This Book Could Change Your Life, a podcast about books for those who love them. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. So for everybody out there who has been sleeping under a rock, hiding from scary stories, Riley is the author of Final Girls, an international bestseller that's been published in 25 languages and the New York Times bestsellers, The Last Time I Lied and Lock Every Door. His next book, Home Before Dark, was published on June 30. Buy it from your local independent bookstore or support a black-owned bookstore. There's a link in the show notes. So, Riley, why don't you tell everyone about your latest novel, Home Before Dark? So, Home Before Dark is actually two books in one. It's about a family that moves into this big Victorian house in Vermont and they flee in the middle of the night 20 days later claiming that the house was haunted and that they were too terrified to stay there any longer. And so the father, Ewan, writes a book about their experience there, and it becomes this phenomenal bestseller. 25 years later, Ewan passes away, and his daughter, Maggie, who was five at the time when they lived in Bainbury Hall, inherits the house, and she returns to fix it up for resale and to find out the truth about why they left this house, because all her life, she's kind of thought that her parents were lying to her and that it was all a hoax. And so she gets there and realizes that maybe it wasn't as much of a hoax as she first thought. And so the book is Maggie's story and the full text of the book her father wrote. And the chapters are intertwined, so it goes back and forth between the past and the present. And one thing I loved about this novel is the way that you intersperse the past with the present in a way that really keeps the reader on their toes. We're never sure whether the version of events that we are reading from the past is entirely accurate or truthful. And I'm guessing that was something you created on purpose, that unreliable narrative voice. Yes, I I love a good unreliable narrator, but at the same time, there have been so many of them and so many excellent books since Gone Girl. And so I, I wanted to do something a little bit different with the unreliable narrator and have the unreliable narrator be a book. And to do a little bit, I always like to play with flashback structures. And so the, the book was a great way to also do that. Like instead of having flashbacks, let's have a whole separate book within the book. And that type of book as well is iconic in I guess, primarily American culture. I mean, the Amityville horror was also based on the the book written by, what was the name of the family that lived there? It was the Lutz family. The Lutz family, yeah. Yes. That house is terrifying. Well, the the Amityville, Amityville horror was like the inspiration for this book. I was listening to a podcast about the Amityville horror and how everyone agrees, yeah, it's kind of, we all agree, it's, it was made up. We don't know why they did it. Um, and I just thought about their kids because they had three kids living with them at the time. And I just thought, that's really interesting to have been a child and 
to sort of wonder, did I have any memory of it to wonder like, were my parents lying? Why was this true? And I imagine that they still live in the shadow of this book that may or may not be true. I want to say may or may not be true. It's probably totally 100% not true. There's actually, and maybe you're familiar with this because you seem like you are a bit of a horror aficionado. There's a British show called Ghost Watch, which is like this cult classic TV show. It showed on BBC in the 90s. Are you aware of that at all? I have heard of it. I haven't seen it. I don't think it's available here in the US. They keep it very tightly locked in the in the in the UK because it caused this huge huge media storm because it was before the era of reality TV and social media and they really build it as this is a live investigation of an actual haunted house. Um which it wasn't at all. It was a totally scripted show at which, you know, a, a well-known children's TV presenter goes into this house to interview the children on Halloween and then, you know, weird shit stops going down and then all of a sudden they lose connection to the house and then the studio starts to... Lights start just being destroyed and the guy who was presenting in the studio is a guy called uh, Michael Parkinson who was just this legend of kind of serious interviewing of famous people so there was just uproar about it and I wasn't allowed to watch it that night because it was on quite late and I was around eight at the time I think my mom let me watch it the next morning and I was just terrified of going upstairs in my own house for weeks so this really kind of brought back memories of that for me as well which was really enjoyable but if you can ever find it anywhere watch it because I think you will absolutely love it I know its reputation is huge like I've it's 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 pretty much like the the British War of the Worlds. Like we had that in in yes. nineteen thirty eight, I believe. Yeah. So another question I have for you is: Is writing female protagonists something that's important to you? I know Maggie Holt is pretty badass. You know, she goes into that house skeptical and very pragmatic about I'm just going to get into this house. I'm going to do it up. I'm going to sell it, which I guess is an important character quality if your story is going to come off with an air of reality. Where did the inspiration for her come from? Um, it actually came from watching a lot of HGTV. Um, my, my, my husband and I bought a house as I was writing this book. And it was, com- it was completely unintentional. But I was sort of experiencing what the characters were experiencing as they were moving into a house, minus the ghost part. <laughs> but um, so in leading, you know, preparing for, okay, we might buy a house soon. Let's watch some HGTV. And you would see just these awesome women on there with their tool belts and their flannel shirts and just being like, <laughs> okay, let's knock down this wall. We got a sledgehammer. <laughs> I thought that that would be really cool to have this, this no nonsense, no bullshit. I mean, she, she's mostly a designer, but yeah, she can knock down a wall by her own and, and is proud of that and doesn't think twice about doing it. And so <laughs> yeah. you don't really see characters like her too often in these – you know, psychological thrillers. I, I think that's amazing. Would you refer to this as horror? or it, I know it's being marketed as a thriller, but you just mentioned psychological thrillers. So how does that blend work for you? It's an interesting thing. I've, sort, I've been told that I've created my own genre, mm-hmm. which just is this really fine line between horror and thriller and psychological thriller. And I've been classified in all of them. Mm-hmm. And so... It's cool to sort of straddle these genres and to play around with it. Like, I don't yeah. consider myself a writer of horror fiction. I think I write 
thrillers. Yeah. But they all have elements of horror in them, which is fun because I, I, I really like horror movies and horror books. Horror for me is, you know, that terror element. A thriller element is that pace that you have throughout a novel that really keeps the reader gripped, which is something that I think you do so well. And I have to say, I will never, ever hear a record player in a distant room ever again after reading this novel, nor will I ever look at a wardrobe again in the same way. (laughs) I I pity anyone who has an armoire in their bedroom while they're reading this book, because they will just, they'll they'll have to take it out. It's terrifying. Yeah, (laughs) really terrifying. And without giving too much away and, and talking about the pace of the novel, Home Before Dark really does throw twist after twist at the reader. You know, just when I thought I'd figured out what was happening, I was thrown another wild card and it was such a ride so how do you do that i like to i try to think of a great way to phrase not like play with the reader no i'll say i want to play with the reader like i spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time before actually writing just sitting down with a mug of coffee and just thinking through things like what's possible what would make sense what are people expecting with this plot, what will they be thinking, you know, throughout this journey that the characters are taking and to give them a little bit of that and then snatch it away and give them something else and then undermine that with something else. So it really is just playing mind games with the readers before they ever get a chance to read it. I just like to try to be one step ahead of what they might be thinking. And in this case, with the structure of the book within a book, it just had to be all outlined completely 100% before I really dove into the writing because they're just, they're so intertwined to the point where, you know, I think like in Ewan's book, he'll like enter a room and that's where the chapter ends. And then Maggie's turn, she's entering that room. And so it just like, it all had to be just completely interlocked. And it was, it was so difficult. Like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It took months to outline this thing. Did you write Ewan's novel first? As in, I have this amazing idea for a horror story, and then I'm going to write how someone might go about finding that and piecing it together? Or did you write it knowing that you were going into it with that structure? I was originally going to write them separately, and I was going to start with Ewan's story, the book within the book. And then I realized just early on that they couldn't do it that way because they were so symbiotic. Like they're, they're, I sort of equate it like they're two books taking place like simultaneously just 25 years apart. And so I just really learned very on that I had to write them together, like chronologically. And so that meant some days, like in the span of an hour, I'd be putting on my Maggie hat and writing from her point of view and then being, okay, this chapter is over. Now I'm Ewan. So I'm writing this point of view. And it, it was difficult at first to do that. But then by the end, I'd become so used to their voices that it was very easy to like slip into their different plot lines. And as a fan of horror films, there are so many horror and especially haunted house tropes that I recognize being played out in Home Before Dark, but they never felt cliched. Was that, an homage to these kinds of films or books that you've um, you clearly love so much. It, it really was. I wanted to be homage and just ha- pay reverence and respect to these things that have come before it, but also to be different. So 
it was very hard to strike that balance of, yes, these are spooky things that people demand in a haunted house book, like the Ouija board yeah, or things that go bump in the night, but also to try to put a new spin on them as well. And can we talk about the cover for a second? Because I received a galley of the novel months ago from Katie at Dutton, who is so lovely. And then I saw a photo of the glow in the dark finished hardback and I messaged her and I was screaming. I was like, I need a copy of that immediately. <laughs> so I've, I've got my glow in the dark copy on pre-order. So I'm really excited. It looks amazing. Are you involved in that process? Was that something that you kind of, I mean, that glow in the dark idea is you just don't see that that often. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant even without it, like when they, when they showed me sort of prototypes of covers, one of them was the chandelier and it was green. And I said, I love this. I love this. I would just like a little bit of wallpaper in the back to sort of make it feel like this empty room. And they said, sure. And they did it like within an hour. And I said, okay, great. The cover's set. And then I was literally, and this is so funny. I was waiting to have lunch with one of the executives who's developing the last time I lied for TV. So I was, I was in Manhattan standing outside a restaurant, just checking my phone. And I see this email from Katie with this video of the cover glowing in the dark. Wow. And so I emailed her. I'm like, what's this? She's like, it's your cover. (laughs) And I said, my cover's going to glow in the dark. She said, yes. So I just started flipping out and then like the producer arrived. And so during this lunch, all she heard was me just raving about how my cover was going to glow in the dark. And I was showing her the video. I'm like, look, look, it's amazing. I can't talk about your TV adaptation right now. (laughs) I'm too excited about my glow in the dark cover. No, it's amazing. At some point they thought that they had told me, but no one had told me. And my editor said, I, I'm really sure I, I, I thought I told you this. I'm like, I'm certain I would have remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. It's such a nice detail. I can't wait for it to arrive and terrify myself with it when I turn the lights off in my study. <laughs> when, when I got my copies, the first thing I did was like go to the guest bathroom because there are no windows. And I'm like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watching it glow. Yeah. You are listening to This Book Could Change Your Life. Obviously, horror is a big part of your life because you host a movie night on social media where you watch kind of a horror classic each week. So horror are some of my favorite films. Were you always going to be a writer of horror or thriller or psychological thriller? I, that's a really hard question because people, I get asked a lot, like, why'd you become a writer? And I do not know. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I think I loved consuming stories so much that eventually that evolved into wanting to try to tell them because I loved them so much that I maybe wanted to pass on a similar experience to others. And I've just always been drawn to uh, macabre. Like I, I, even as a kid, I loved scary things. So it just sort of, when it came time to try to write something, you know, there were many, many all starts and books that I stopped writing after a hundred pages. And then you might not know this. A lot of people do know this, you know, Riley Sager is not my real name. I've had books published under my real name and that didn't really do very well. Hence the pen name. Right. So it just, I think it was just really trying to find my niche in this whole thing. And that just happened with Final Girls. Final Girls was the moment where it all clicked. I'm like, yes, this is what I think I should be doing. 
Which must be an amazing feeling. It was great. Like I, I never in my wildest dreams thought it would become like as big as it eventually did. But even when I first came up with the idea, I was like, this, this could be something. There's just something about this idea that it really could be something special. And it was. And again, it's an, it's an intense story where, you know, something has happened, but it's more about the aftermath of what happened um, rather than the thing that actually happened itself, which seems to be the case in Home Before Dark in some ways. I, I'm very much interested in how the events of the past can mess up our present. And it's very interesting to see about, like, I've been fortunate enough to not go through major traumas, but Final Girls, to, to survive this massacre in a cabin in the woods. Like, what must that feel like? Or to have your father write a book about living in a haunted house and having no memory of this. What must that feel like? Yeah. And so a lot of my plots do tend to be, this thing happened in the past. How is it messing you up in the present? And how are these characters trying to move past it or reckon with it? And I think that's really interesting because as someone who's always loved, like you say, the macabre and, and horror stories and horror films, like I grew up in a, like I said, a small town and the, I, I went to a Victorian uh, a junior school that was built in the Victorian era. And it was just perfect for just reading about ghost stories and ghosts. And I would find us, I would find a staircase on lunch breaks or, and I would read books about ghosts. I was just such a loser basically, but I loved it. <laughs> no, that's not a loser. <laughs> that's cool. Right. That's very cool. All the cool kids do this. Exactly. But I've, I've always had a fascination with that kind of stuff and the supernatural. And, um, but I think so often we, we see the present of that trauma and we never, in films at least anyway, learn about the impact of of that trauma. And I guess some the only film that I can think of that bucks that trend really is like, I know what you did last summer, perhaps, where the kind of past comes back to bite them in the arse. Or, and even Sidney Prescott with Scream, you know, it, that, that element of like, surviving that trauma is very much a part of that character. Off topic, but can we talk about the Scream series for a second? Of course. One of my favourite horror franchises of all time, and I know they were a part of your horror movie nights. So have you always been a fan? Did they inspire your writing of Final Girls, for example? One, yes, they absolutely did. Um, I was not a big horror movie fan until Scream came out. I'm dating myself, but I was in college when Scream came out. <laughs> and just for some reason, I wanted to see it. And so opening night, we were there and wow. I just, I, I loved it. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was so scary, yet so funny. And it didn't talk down to the audience at all. Mm -hmm. It welcomed yeah. the audience. It said, you know how ridiculous this plot is, but we're going to make you scared anyway. And we're going to make you care for these characters, despite the ridiculousness of the plot. And it just was such a breath of fresh air. And to see Sidney Prescott, to see this woman who was so vulnerable, yet such a fighter, and she was both at once. And I loved throughout the series that she never loses her vulnerability or her mm -hmm. humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the part in Scream 4 where... There's a sentence you don't hear very often. I know. <laughs> when the, the, the friend is getting attacked in the house next door, mm -hmm. and... Sydney just runs out the door, runs into the house next door, runs up the stairs, and 
she's just ready to like kick some ghost face ass. Like she's just <laughs> like, she's completely unafraid. Yet when she doesn't make it in time, she's just devastated. Yeah. And it's just, it's a perfect example of her, her strength and her fearlessness and her humanity. So yeah, all, all hail Sydney Prescott. <laughs> I agree. One final question for you, Riley. Um, and it's a three-parter, actually. What was the last book you read? What are you reading right now? And what will you be reading next? The last book I read... Yeah, I can say... it's Because um, <laughs> I read a lot of things way before they come out. Um, so... I, I, it just, I read it. It's, it's in the galley stage right now. It's a book by a friend of mine named May Cobb. It's coming out next May and it is, it is the hunting wives and it is this juicy, sexy, sinister <laughs> book about these wealthy women in Texas who welcome a newcomer into their midst. And, they like to drink a lot and shoot things and have extramarital affairs and <laughs> there's murder involved. Sounds amazing. And it's and, and and May is just such this friendly, bright, happy chipper person. And I'm just reading the things that her characters have done in this book, and I'm like gasping. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just it's it's so it's so juicy. I think it's like it's a perfect soap opera. Yeah, so that's that's that was the last one I read. Um, currently, I'm reading um, The Golden Cage by Camilla Lackbird. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's Swedish. That okay. is coming out July 7th. And next on my list is, gosh, I don't know. I have to be like, I have to finish my next book by the right. end of the summer. And so my reading sort of takes a backseat to the writing. Of course. But um, I was sent a, a book by this great YA author, Tom Ryan, called I Hope You're Listening. Right. And so that one is about a, a girl who her best friend was abducted like years earlier. And now she does a podcast like trying okay. to solve crimes. Oh, nice. That's interesting. I mean, crime podcasts yeah. are huge. and um, They are. A book I read recently, actually, I mean, about this um, – murderer that was like terrorizing california and the woman who was writing this book and then she died like in the middle of writing it but wow i was just blown away by that i was sat on my uh, reading chair over there at like two o'clock in the morning desperate to finish it i i started it and then i had to stop because it scared me Yes, it was scary because also that's about a guy like creeping into people's houses and like, you know, and he was really good at it. Michelle McNamara, that's it. I think that was her name. Michelle McNamara, yeah. And yeah, um, yeah it was – it's it's one of these things like I, I scare pretty easily mm-hmm. and like, yeah, ghosts are – you know, I don't really believe in ghosts yet. The concept of them still scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe like zombies. Well, you know, there will never be a zombie invasion, but I just, yeah. I cannot do zombie movies, but it's, it's the real life cases that really, really keep me up at night. Yes. So I can't really watch a lot of true crime documentary <laughs> or anything like that because yeah. anything about a serial killer will just put me in terror for a couple days. Cause it's just, it's <laughs> so creepy. Like I'm sitting in my office now and they're like, two windows at ground level that someone could just 
sneak in. I've I've had not too many scary things, but like I did sort of have a stalker who was thankfully overseas. Oh god. So there wasn't there wasn't like any like fear like, oh, this person is going to track me down and try to break into my house. So it was it was unnerving enough to be like when we got this house, be like, okay, we are getting some security here. <laughs> You're going full Sydney Prescott in Scream 3. We really are, yes. <laughs> As a writer, I imagine being forcibly isolated and having the chance to just be locked down in your house must be quite, um, you know, a good thing on the surface. Is that helping you at all or no? No, it's the opposite because like, I'm. this is how I live normally. Like right. <laughs> for even before COVID, it'd be like, okay, I'll go to the grocery store and then... You know, maybe we'll go out once or twice on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I was at home all the time anyway. So now right. it's just home all the time with anxiety. <laughs> yes. And and not being able to leave the house, which just makes it worse. Oh, my God. Yeah, I get and it. So it's it's been hard to focus on writing. And so, like, I'm way behind on the next book. And so, like, July, July and August are going to be, like, full scale, locked in my office, just writing until it's done yeah i had to stop myself from watching the coronavirus briefings and reading any of the news after about week two of lockdown i was like you can't do this to your own mental health anymore so i kind of discovered just like garbage tv instead and i'm just like sitting there with my laptop working and um with just inane nonsense on in the background just to keep my mind off of thinking about it but it's um it's a crazy time yeah, it's it's not everything about this year has sucked so far, really. It's <laughs> yeah. just not. Apart from the publication of your new novel, Home Before Dark, on June thirty. Uh, even that one, I'm just it's it's so it's always nerve wracking and I just yeah. always hate it. Like and, and normally I can take my mind off of it because I'm traveling. Yeah. Like we had we had a pretty sizable tour planned mm-hmm. and that was all just canceled and i was looking forward to it because mm-hmm. like it was going to start in arizona right and so we were going to spend like right now the plan was for us to be at a desert spa in arizona <laughs> to relax before and like yeah that's not happening no. so but normally when you're traveling like my mind you know it's it's i don't need to worry about like oh are people liking it is it selling like what are the numbers and so now without the distraction of travel and it's just constantly worrying. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a fretting weekend. (laughs) Oh, geez. Well, I'm sure it'll be um, amazing. I mean, I'm seeing this book everywhere. You know, you've obviously got big news to announce um, as and when the time is right. So um, it sounds like it's going to be a huge success, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's been, it has been a journey. This book was hard. Very, very hard. And I'm kind of glad that it's over now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Riley, where can people find you on social media? I am on Twitter at um, Riley underscore Sager, because Riley Sager was taken. I'm on Instagram <laughs> at Riley dot Sager. And I'm on Facebook, which is just normal Facebook Riley Sager. <laughs> okay, awesome. So everybody follow Riley Sager and get your copies of home before dark right now riley sager that's all i have thank you so much for coming on this book 
could change your life. A podcast about books for those who love them. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find us at thisbookcouldchangeyourlife.com, on Instagram at thisbookcouldchangeyourlife, and on Twitter at thisbookpodcast. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Thank you.